0: Hey everyone, before we get started in the stories, I need to give a trigger warning for story number two as it mentions rape. I'll have the story labeled in the timestamps in case you wanna skip it. All that being said, let's go ahead and get started and remember to always stay hungry. The story took place during the last school year during the fall semester i turned 21. of course being american this meant that i could now legally buy alcohol when i got home for thanksgiving break i celebrated with my friends that i hadn't seen while i was at college i live in a beach town my living situation is a bit hard to explain but i don't live with my parents i had a few friends over one of the first days we were all back while well, we're all enjoying ourselves drinking and just really enjoying each other's company As the night went on people had slowly headed out heading home with the designated driver of course Eventually, it was just me and my friend Corbin left It was around one in the morning at this point Corbin and I have a ritual of taking late night beach walks It's not too difficult to get there from my house you basically just have to cross the highway once you get out of my neighborhood. The highway is fairly well lit, but my neighborhood is not. There's no street lights at all. It didn't take us very long to get down to the beach. There's something really special about being on the beach late at night. It's so surreal, especially during the fall like we were. There's no one else out there. The wind is blowing a bit. And you can hardly see anything you can hear the cold waves crashing against the shore only imagining what could be out there anyways the access we walked down to is pretty close to a pier that has a few lights that stay on overnight so there was some light besides the moon we sat down on the sand shooting the ship for a bit with the liquor gradually wearing off over the summer it's not uncommon to see other people on the beach late at night Usually, it's just teenage tourists who are out past their bedtime just messing around. And occasionally, there's some night fishermen or things of that nature. Over the fall and winter, it's completely different. There's almost never anyone else down there but me and Corbin. At first, we thought we were alone like we normally are. As the liquor continued to wear off, I noticed a figure out of the corner of my eye standing about 100 yards down the beach. I tried to ignore it until Corbin asked me if I saw it too. I told him I did, and we both tried to turn and figure out what we were seeing. It was hard to tell from where we were, as the lights from the pier were to the left of us and the figure was to our right. We both just tried to ignore it and just keep talking, but in the back of our minds, neither one of us could quite keep our attention off the figure. The figure didn't move and we stayed out there for about another half hour or so. It was about 1.45 now, and I was starting to feel tired and a little creeped out. I told Corbin that I was ready to head back, and he said he couldn't agree more, so we both started heading back. The access was in the opposite direction of the figure, so we had to turn our backs to it to head home. As we were walking home, I kept turning around and checking over my shoulder because I couldn't quite shake the feeling that there was someone watching us. I know it's cliché to say, but it was true. As we then passed out of the well-lit section of the road just off the highway into the dark streets of my neighborhood, I looked back over my shoulder once again. I swear I saw a man standing there underneath the light post back at the highway. Since we couldn't clearly see the figure when it was standing on the beach, I wasn't even sure if this was the same person we saw before, or if it was just someone else waiting to cross. At first, I was just getting really nervous, and me and Corbin hurried back home. We finally got back to my place. Corbin was far more drunk than I was, so I had helped him get into bed downstairs. I should mention that we have a sliding glass door downstairs, and it's right beside the bedroom Corbin was sleeping in. There's no screen door or curtains for this door. It's just clear glass straight out into our backyard. After I was done helping Corbin get to bed, I took one last look around outside through the glass door. I didn't see anything, but I was still creeped out. I then went upstairs to my room where I got ready for bed. It was about 2 in the morning at this point, and I really couldn't sleep. I was tossing and turning for about 20 minutes, before I then heard something coming from downstairs. It sounded like someone rustling the doorknob downstairs. I jumped straight up. Now I keep a 9mm handgun under my bed, so I threw on a shirt and then grabbed it, then making my way downstairs. I quietly creeped around the corner of the hallway and tiptoed towards the door. I should mention that the sliding glass door was directly behind me now. I walked right up to the door, but I didn't hear anything at all. My heart was pounding so loud, I was afraid it was going to jump right out of my chest. I waited for a few seconds, but I didn't hear anything. I slowly backed away from the door before then turning around. Standing at the sliding glass door was a man. He was absolutely terrifying. He stood about six foot three, and he was wiry as all hell. His face was gaunt. I'm assuming he was on some kind of drug because he didn't look normal. He had this ear-to-ear grin plastered on his face. He was literally just standing there looking at me. Once he noticed the pistol in my hand, his expression changed to slightly worried. I then screamed out at him. Yeah, that's right. I'll fucking shoot you if you don't get out of here. The man quickly pivoted, then took off running. Our backyard isn't all that well-lit, so I couldn't really see where he got off to. Either way, I never saw him again after that night. Corbin and I still take beach walks from time to time, but I always, always make sure to keep my pistol right on me. I was an 18-year-old female, and I just discovered the world of Yahoo chat rooms. I hung out in one of the local rooms and became well known among the other users. There was a guy in the room who didn't really say much, but had sent me a private message to talk to me. Now after a few times of him talking to me, he had asked me if I would come spend Thanksgiving break with him in his college dorm. I told him I could do one night, but not more than that, as I had to work. He came to pick me up, and we drove to his college which was about two hours away. Things were weird from the start. He wasn't as talkative in person and we spent most of the drive in silence. When we got to his dorm he immediately tried to make sexual advances. I told him that I was on my period, which was true. He then stopped and he began to play with a little knife. I tried to maintain conversations but we got nowhere. Eventually I got tired and he told me I could sleep on the bed as long as I didn't mind him sharing it with me. I said that was fine and fell asleep. During the night, I woke up to him actually having sex with me. I laid there quietly and pretty much just waited until he was done. He eventually stopped and rolled over. I fell back asleep, but I woke in the morning to my hands being held above my head and the weight of his body straddling me. I could hear voices. And I realized that he had the computer monitor toward the bed and that it was actually open to the chat room that I frequented. He was typing that he had me in his room using my handle that I had back then. Many of them were saying no that he didn't and asking to talk to me. He was talking creepy about how he had me pinned down. One of the users said she didn't believe him and told him to turn on the microphone. As soon as he did, I then shouted that it was me and that it was true, and he was holding me down. His screen then flooded in messages demanding that he stop it, and also threatening to call the police. He did eventually let me up, and I was crying, saying that I wanted to go home now. He finally relented, and he took me back home, telling me that it was all a joke. Some joke. As you can imagine, I was much more cautious about meeting anyone online after that. I'm 22 years old and this happened back on Thanksgiving of 2018. We were planning on visiting my aunt and uncle that day of Thanksgiving. We drove up to our place around 9am to help her get everything started and ready for Thanksgiving. It was about 9.50 when we had gotten all the food in the oven and crock pots, and it began to cook. The food would take at least 5 hours to cook and the family wouldn't be here till around noon at least so we decided to just sit and talk for a bit we were all sitting at the dining room table and just chatting just for a quick layout the dining room was located between the living room and kitchen on the south wall of the house the living room was on the west wall of the house which was the front and the kitchen was on the east wall on the back of the house there were no windows in the dining room and the picture window in the living room was just out of sight from where we were sitting Anyway, we were just sitting there just chatting and we then heard what sounded like a loud plane engine in the distance. At first, this wasn't too wide since there were a lot of small airports that had Cessnas around here, and plane traffic was pretty common, but it kept getting louder and closer. Then exactly at 10.03 AM, and when the plane engine sound became more of a roaring sound, the power went out. Then the tornado siren at the town hall across the street fired up. We all got up and did the stupid thing and went to look out the giant picture window in the living room. We look out just in time to see the trees behind the town hall getting uprooted, the roof being torn off the town hall, the township dumpster getting hurled into the road, and the siren falling over. We all realized immediately it was a tornado. We then ran towards the back door which was in the kitchen so we could go outside behind the house to the cellar. As we entered the kitchen, we heard the window in the living room then shatter and everything start blowing around crashing everywhere. We threw open the back door and turned left towards the cellar which was attached to the back of the house. We threw open the cellar door and then scurry in. As soon as my uncle closed and latched the cellar door, the tornado immediately hit. It sounded like a freight train running overhead, and it only lasted about 50 seconds. As soon as it was over, and once we relaxed a bit, we opened the cellar door, and what we saw was like a war zone. The roof and ceiling was completely gone off the house and laying in pieces in the backyard. Everything inside the house was totally destroyed. The two front walls in the front of the house were bowed inwards about four feet and our car was pancaked against the front wall of the house, blocking the front door. My uncle's truck was also upside down in the neighbor's backyard. The town hall across the street was very cheaply built when they built it years ago, and it was completely leveled. The siren actually went through the bedroom window on the front of the house like a toothpick through bread. It was a total nightmare. My aunt wanted to call our family members and tell them not to come, But the landline was down, and when I tried my cell phone, there was no service, so the cell towers were down too. When our family members arrived, they were all horrified by the scene that awaited them. We later found out that the reason we had no advanced warning was because the National Weather Service hadn't detected the tornado until it was already on the ground. The tornado was an F2 and apparently formed very suddenly and moved quickly across the country, traveling for almost 15 miles before dissipating. We were unfortunately in its path. The weird thing was that it was sunny and clear the whole morning until we looked out that window to see a greenish-yellowish sky. Apparently a spotter had seen the tornado heading in our direction and had called the town hall, and the employee who was there was able to activate the siren before taking cover in the cellar behind the town hall. If it hadn't been for that siren, we might not be alive today. Just remember, weather can change very quickly wherever you go and can catch you off guard. So yeah, that was Thanksgiving 2018. The one that we'll never forget. In the aftermath, my aunt's house was deemed a total loss, and it was eventually demolished, and she had to move to the next town over. A house is replaceable. But our lives aren't. We got very lucky that day. The story is still relatively calm, and I really hope it stays that way. Last week I got a text from a random number that I didn't recognize asking for my social security number, my address, my gate code, and my neighborhood. This pegged me as weird, but not necessarily scary, because I figured it was just a prank or something. I had texted my girlfriend a screenshot of it, and she was stressing about it all week. Maybe she's smarter than me. Anyway, when I didn't respond to the number, I got a text a little bit later from the same number calling me a bitch and nothing else. Clearly the guy was mad that I wasn't super stupid. Again... I wasn't worried. This morning, though, on Saturday, November 4th, I got a call on my cell phone from a no caller ID. I actually answered it after some consideration, and it was a police officer. He asked if my name was Dan, which I said no, then it's Ben. He said that he got a call from my number saying that I took 11 pills and overdosed the previous night. At this point, my heart was going crazy, and I was thinking a bunch of weird things, trying to find an explanation. He asked for my address, and I was about to leave my house for something, so I told him that. He said that he was already on my street a few doors down though. I came outside, and there were four cops outside all waiting for me just to make sure I was okay. Well, after talking to the main officer. He told me that they were given my street by whoever called on my phone. They said it was very clear that I did not in fact OD, so they left. As I turned to go back inside though, the main guy caught my arm and then said, If I were you, I would really watch your back for a while. This really shook me a bit, because it sounds a lot like he thinks this guy did it to get me in trouble with the walls. Later on, I was with my friend in the woods and we decided to call the number that texted me about my personal information. I told him that I really didn't think it was a good idea, but he wouldn't listen. The guy picked up and it sounded like there were a lot of people with him, maybe like five other people. A guy had started talking very aggressively, asking my friend what the hell he wanted and who it was. My friend told him a completely fake name and then hung up on him after a couple of creepy things that the guy said. The guy called my friend back, but we didn't answer. After about a minute, he had got a text from the guy saying my friend's real name and saying not to do stuff like this because that's how bitches like him wind up missing. This was really unsettling, and we left immediately because we knew that was a death threat. The only thing that I remember about the guy on the call was that the guy was in his early 20s, and he also sounded African-American. By saying that, I don't mean it in a racist way. I just literally mean that's how he sounded. This was some form of confirmation that this was the same guy who reported me to the police, and it sounded like he was a hacker of some sort, and that he may have hacked my phone number, because I sure as shit didn't call the police, and I definitely did an OD. I'll be sure to send an update if anything else happens, but I'm going to take that advice from the officer and stay with some form of protection whenever I go for a while. This probably doesn't sound very scary to most people, but it's more bizarre than scary. I mean, you always hear about girls getting stalked, but guys, not so much. This is a little warning to be very careful with who you call and who you share your information with because anyone can have bad intentions. I really hope nothing else happens. I live in southern Minnesota, and this happened in early November of 2022. I was home one late night just keeping to myself and minding my own business. Then close to 1 in the morning, 12.48 a.m. to be exact, I heard a loud boom, then i felt the hell shaking i didn't know what the hell it was at first so i looked out the window i saw there was another trailer partially on fire and there were a few pieces of it on the ground there was a fucking explosion at the trailer i then saw a guy who lives a few trailers over go up to the burning trailer he tried opening the back door but it was locked i assumed he was going to go in there to get whoever was in there out of there well then he went through the garage door in front of the house and sure enough he got the guy who was living in there out of there thankfully the guy only had burns and nothing more serious also the guy who got him out of there was actually completely unscathed luckily well just seconds after getting him out of the house two more explosions went off in that house and actually blew out the garage door then right before first responders arrived that one trailer was completely engulfed and the fire spread to a trailer next door. Thankfully, the residents in the trailer next door had managed to escape. Residents in several surrounding trailers had to evacuate since the fire was so out of control. Then when the first responders arrived, they had the fire under control within about an hour, but they were on the scene for an extra two hours just to make sure everything and everyone was alright. The guy that got burned had to be hospitalized for his burns. Those same two trailers have since been torn down, with two new trailers being worked on. I'm just really glad that nobody was injured worse than that or killed. And to the guy who pulled the man out of there before those two explosions erupted, you're very brave for doing that, even though that was extremely dangerous, but you're still a lifesaver. I guess you can say the saying that not all heroes wear capes is there for a reason. Hey everyone, I hope you all enjoyed these stories. If you ever want to submit your own, you can do so at SouthernCannibal.com. Have a good night, everyone. And remember to always stay.